This is the Nearside Low Podcast, brought to you by Missouri Water Polo. For all highlights, scores, and updates, please visit www.mowaterpolo.com. All right, here we are with podcast number 10. After, I think, almost two weeks away, we are back. Uh, I'm your host, Charlie. And I'm the co-host, Ray. Uh, and we are here with one of our final episodes for the uh, water polo season of uh, 2017. I'm not going to lie, Coach Ray, it's been pretty nice uh, uh, in the postseason, relaxing and being able to go home after school. I know the boys asked me, you know, well, can we have a can we have a fun practice on Monday after the state after the state championship game? And I said, boys and girls, Monday when the bell rings, Coach Catelli is gonna go home and take a nap. And he did. Um, and so uh, you know it's been it's been pretty nice, but um, I know you talked to me and we wanted to put together one more podcast here and, and talk about what we're gonna try and do in this summer, so on and so forth. So so we are here. Um, couple things we wanted to point out um, in regards to this podcast. First and foremost, we are going to be talking to um, the, uh, what would we call him, the webmaster of Il Polo towards the end, and we're thinking he's going to tweet out some information in regards to this. So if you're an Illinois water polo player, um, you might want to fast forward towards the end of our um, actual broadcast because you'll be able to um, hear that interview. You might not want to hear Coach Ray and I banter about uh, superior water polo here in Missouri. <laughs> yeah, we're excited to have Aaron Brown on from Il Polo. Uh, they had an awesome state championship this last weekend, so uh, we're going to get some of his input on that and just talk a little bit about some of the Illinois teams that we've seen uh, this year in St. Louis, how they ended up doing. And also in regards to Il Polo, uh, podcast episode four, you can find it on Missouri Water Polo. We did interview uh, now state championship coach from Stevenson uh, High School, Sean Weimer. So um, we weren't sure if a lot of people heard about that uh, back in the day, but um, Il Polo folks, uh, if you want to check that out, that was our podcast number four, which can be found at mowaterpolo.com. Um, so yeah, we'd like to welcome everybody back. Hopefully you're not too starved for, uh, for podcasting. And uh, first thing we always like to do uh, is we like to talk about our question of the week. Um, ours was, I'm not going to lie, kind of lame uh, last time. Uh, it was, what was your favorite podcast? Um, that was one of those kind of spur of the moment things where Ray and I were like, boy, we really need to <laughs> for a question of the week, but we found one. Um, and we ended up having a tie, I think, for um, for two of those. And Ray, of course, my stat guy here, he's going to tell you about who won that. Well, so we got 36 votes, and uh, the winner was actually the third podcast with uh, both uh, Coach Miguel Figueres and Coach Andy Butler. Um, so maybe both of those coaches and their players go out and vote for them. Uh, but uh, that was closely followed by uh, Coach Don Casey talking uh, last week, previewing our state championship. So so that just means that we probably need to have more guests on uh, at, at any given time. So maybe that's something we will work on um, for uh, next year. Uh, the other question of the week that we wanted to kind of touch on was, I think, two or three weeks prior. Um, and Ray was the tech guru for this. Uh, he had the brilliant idea to set up a Snapchat filter. Um, and we did have a winner. And again, I got to defer to my stat guy because he has got the stats from the state championship weekend. Hit it, Ray. Yeah, so uh, we set up a Snapchat filter for the state championship game. Uh, the winning filter was designed by uh, Jacob Linton from Parkway Central. And, woo woo. and uh, so we got the stats back from Snapchat, and our Snapchat filter got 
6,780 views um, during the course of the state championship game. So uh, a lot of people use the filter, and I was pretty impressed with that total. So very cool to see people spreading the word, showing uh, the state championship game. Awesome. Um, and so that leads us to, uh, you know, what are we going to what are we gonna leave off for the summer? And uh, in talking to Coach Casey last week, I think a lot, or actually two weeks ago, I apologize, a lot of people were really interested in um, his remarks on the Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year awards, and who all those awards were named after. Um, I learned about the, the Merrimack River Rescuer water polo team, among others. Um, and that was kind of a, it was an interesting historical piece. And so um, I've spoken with Coach Casey since then, and he said he had gotten rave reviews about that, and that a lot more people would be um, interested in hearing some more um, of the history of water polo in St. Louis. So something that Ray and I have kind of pinged off of each other was, maybe having Coach Casey on later this summer um, and talking about basically having a full podcast on basic history of water polo in St. Louis. Um, And of course, Ray and I want to know certain things, but we are sure our listeners want to know certain things. And so kind of our question of the week is, is we want you to reach out to us, whether it's through Twitter. Obviously, my handle is Longhorn Polo. You could go to the Missouri Water Polo Twitter handle. You know, if you know Coach Ray personally, shoot him an email, a text. You know me personally, shoot me an email or a text. But get a hold of us somehow um, and give us some questions that you would be interested in learning more about or you have no clue about in regards to um, Missouri water polo slash St. Louis water polo slash Illinois water polo slash water polo in general um, that we could maybe throw at Coach Casey this summer. Um, and so we're hoping that we, we get a, a wide variety of questions. If we get too many questions, we'll probably have a vote for you know some of the top three or four questions that we want to get answered. Um, and that's something that we definitely want to do um, this summer. So get a hold of us somehow and uh, let us know your thoughts. You got anything you want to add to that, Coach? Nope, sounds no? good. All right. So uh, that kind of ends our introduction. We want to jump right into, um, obviously, uh, past two weekends. Uh, not last weekend, but the weekend before, we had a rather big uh, end-of-the-year tournament that took place, um, and so it was kind of our uh, district championship, um, and so we were going to talk about the uh, final four matchups. They were the semifinals. I love that those games were on Thursday, and so whether you win, lose, or draw on Thursday, you have Friday to recover um, and kind of game plan for who you're going to match up with, um, and I know that those two games, SLU versus West was first. Um, I was obviously a, a part of that game. Um, Slew went up 4-0 pretty quickly. Uh, and, and I will say this in regards to that team, um, and, and I can comment again in the state championship game, their defense was nasty. Uh, and, I mean, there just wasn't much we could do. Um, it, it was almost comical at times. Um, you know, one of our top players, Mitch Griffin, <laughs> would go down you know, towards the front of the net. And, I mean, if the ball came in his vicinity – uh, there were three or four slew kids just swarming him. Um, and so, uh, you know, hats off to them. Uh, they pulled away pretty early and, and held on. And we just couldn't get much going um, on the offensive end. So that game was uh, was kind of, you know, I think is what most people expected slew to kind of kind of roll through that one. Um, now the second game, Coach, do you have any stats you want to add to that? Are you good? No, I mean, pretty much uh, slew had five players with multi-goals, with multiple goals in that game. Uh, Parkway West slowed two came from Mitch Griffin. So, yeah. Um, yeah, just pretty much what you said. Yeah. Uh, and obviously the next matchup was a little bit tighter. Uh, that was Ledoux versus Lindbergh. Uh, I did stick around on the pool deck to watch that one. Uh, it was very interesting to see. Um, back and forth, I think. And, Ray, again, I know you've got stuff written down over there. Um, I think Ledoux drew. Did they draw three five meters? 
I, I believe that's correct. It was something like that. So uh, uh, Noah Duehi, and Noah, if I'm pronouncing your last name wrong, I apologize, but he was definitely a force down in the two-meter position. Uh, I think one of the earliest plays I remember, he got the ball down low, hard turn, and, and went to the goal and drew a five-meter um, and, and scored on a skip shot on that. So, um, I mean, it was still relatively close. I mean, even at the end, I think the final score was 5-3. Is that right? Um, super impressed on Lindbergh's end. Um, Philip Harder did great, obviously, uh, and uh, super impressed with Mason White. Um, still, you know, and his kid's got another year to go, um, which is which is pretty good. But he was definitely a threat um, at both ends of the pool. And again, Lindbergh hit some crossbars and stuff, so could have could have been even closer, probably towards the end. But um, I would say that the better team probably won. Uh, won that game five three final. You got anything you want to add to that? Nope. You gotta go. uh, unfortunately, Ray was was not there. Uh, so then we rolled into Saturday, uh, and our third place matchup was uh, Parkway West versus Lindbergh. Uh, very cool. A um, couple things I wanted to touch on in regards to that. Uh, obviously, um, if you were at the game, you noticed that uh, Lindbergh's uh, Brad Bauer was on the pool deck. So it was super exciting to see him there, um, smiling, shook his hand. Um, and I know a huge shout out to um, our parent group. Uh, Lori Griffin had recommended that, um, suggested that we put, um, show some, you know, uh, recognition. And we, so the Parkway West boys and girls ended up putting 18 on their back shoulder, um, as obviously the Lindbergh boys had been doing on their uh, front left chest, I think the majority of the year. So uh, it was very cool to see him go over to the captain's, you know, coin toss and, and, and do all that stuff. And uh, he was clapping and, and smiles at the end of the game when they won. So, um, I say the game, I think we were probably, I would say we were in the lead for most of it. And then eventually Lindbergh pulled away, but it was probably about 8-6. Um, we were running kind of press to steal. Lindbergh got another one um, and ended up, I think, final score was 11-6. to um, And again, hats off to Lindbergh. They had a miraculously tough season. Um, but it was really cool to see, again, if there's any team that we could lose to at the end of the year, I would be... I was totally satisfied with that just because it was awesome to see their teammate there enjoying some, some water polo. Yeah, definitely a good game. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a shame that Lindbergh and Parkway West didn't get to meet up earlier in the season. That was the first time they got to meet all season. Uh, Lindbergh, yeah, I want to point out Casey Natch had five goals. Uh, strong finish to his uh, high school career. Yes, in case, and I, I meant to, Casey, hats off to you, man. You who were, your live shots were just, they were eating us up. So you did a great, you did a great job, man. Uh, Parkway West had six goals, two from uh, Mitch Griffin. I mean, the, the one thing that definitely hurt Parkway West in that game was uh, Alex Noska got three ejections earlier in that game. We haven't talked a lot about Alex yet this season, but, I mean, he was definitely a force to be reckoned with for Parkway West, especially once uh, Wachter went down Walker with his down, injury. Yes. So he, he had a void to fill, definitely. So the fact that he went down was definitely, uh, definitely hurt Parkway West and contributed to Lindbergh being able to pull away in that game, but... Solid third place game. Yeah, it was fun. Um, okay, and then we roll into obviously the championship, um, and I stuck around for that, uh, and that was uh, Slough versus Ledoux. Um, and, uh, you know, Ray, I'll let you touch on that a little bit first. Yeah, so Slough pulled away and won that game 9 to 4. Um, Slough got three goals from Joe Jelinek, who had a really strong game. I mean, the first and second quarters, it was actually a pretty tight game. I, I think that. Uh, Ledoux came out strong. Uh, Slew made some mistakes early on. So uh, that game was pretty tight. And then beginning of the third quarter, Slew went on that 3-0 run. And I think a lot of people were looking around saying, well, there, there Slew goes with it. Um, I mean, they can have those short bursts that really uh, put them put them in, in good position to win the game. And that's exactly what happened. Joe Jelinek, as I said, had three goals. Trussler 
Cedar captain for SLU at two. SLU also got uh, goals from Nordman, Burke, Fields, and Mattingly. So, um, once again, a whole team effort there. Uh, Ledoux, I, I, Cedric Everhart at two goals. Um, I was also really impressed with uh, Dixon Bazant, the goal for them. He had a couple really nice stops. Uh, but, I mean, it is, is was expected. SLU, SLU uh, pulled away 9-4, to four, capturing their ninth championship in the last 12 years. Um, it was it was cool to see Ledoux in that game. I mean, it's the first time they've made it now, um, I think, since 2011 or 2012. And they're especially seeing how their JV team has progressed. They're a team that's going to be around um, moving forward. So, uh, congrats once again to SLU High. I mean, it, there's definitely something to be said about um, the run they've had here in the last few years. Um, and uh, they came out and uh, finished strong in the state championship game. Yes, uh, and my, my quick thoughts again, super fun to watch how excited Ledoux was and pumped up they were in the beginning of the game. And I, and I, think, I think that energy is contagious. Um, and, and what do they learn from this? They get, they get some good experience. And next year, if they're in that same position, they've got guys and gals that have been there before and, and know how to keep that energy level high throughout the whole game. Um, but again, I think that was the, maybe the closest game that SLU had had with the Missouri team. Is that correct? Uh, pretty, pretty, close, pretty, pretty close. I mean, the, the, when Ledoux played them in the Lindbergh invite, it was just about the same, same, score. The same, okay. same okay. margin of victory. But right. um, yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, there's definitely something to be said about having played in games like that. And, and playing in state championship this year will definitely prepare them for uh, years to come. All right, and then rolling into the following Wednesday, we had the uh, Senior All-Star Game, which was hosted by Missouri Water Polo. Um, and a huge thanks to Andy Butler. Um, we've been using Lindbergh for I couldn't tell you how long to, to have that uh, the cafeteria in the pool. Um, and um, that was fun and exciting to see. Kids got awards. We wanted to touch on our um, district awards and, and who won the uh, Offensive Player, Defensive Player, Female Player, and Player of the Year awards. Um, and I'll let Ray hit those real quick. Uh, yeah, so uh, Player of the Year, Doug Hall, Player of the Year, went to Mitch Griffin from Parkway West. Um, a very deserving candidate. He ended up leading the area in both points and goals this year. Um, sometimes sometimes those stats can be deceiving in that sometimes teams can run up scores against uh, lesser opponents, but that was definitely not the case this year. Mitch um, was, as I said, very deserving, as showed by the stats and also how he led uh, Parker West um, to a fourth-place finish this year. Uh, offensive Player of the Year went to Trevins Weifel from Marquette. Um, once again, another really strong offensive player. I mean, to, to some extent, uh, his capabilities may have been uh, masked. Uh, yeah, yeah, masked yeah. this year just with Marquette. I mean, if you watched him, especially during the club season this last year, he played um, a little bit with Flyers, a little bit with Mad Dog. Uh, I mean, I can tell you when we were playing against them with Jungle Cats, um, he was always a player we were watching out for. So uh, definitely an offensive threat, um, well-deserving offensive player of the year. Uh, defensive Player of the Year went to Thomas Nordman from Slew High. I mean, we've already talked about Slew High's uh, great defense. Um, I mean, Thomas was a huge part of that, um, as well as John Burke and others in that crew. But uh, Thomas definitely very deserving. He played extremely well when uh, Slew played against St. X when they came down in the Lindbergh tournament. So uh, congrats to senior Thomas Nordman from Slew High. And the uh, Female Player of the Year this year went to uh, Nicole Thompson from Ledoux. Uh, definitely one of the leading female players in the area. Um, from what I've heard, it looks like she's going to be playing, uh, I think, in Europe next year. So wow. um, it's great Good to for see. You. Great to see. Uh, great to see 
the girls in the area continuing to do well. Nicole certainly um, has been very involved with the new polo these last four years, always seeing her on the deck for uh, when, when, when she was playing on the JV team and now with the varsity team. Uh, as I said, very deserving award for Nicole. All right. Um, so for all other first first team all district, second team all district, we have a third team all district, and we have a honorable mention all district. For all of those awards, please visit MoWaterPolo.com. Um, click on high school on the left side link, um, and then there should be a link that says all district teams. And uh, so everybody, congratulations on that. Everybody's well de- well deserving of it. Um, very happy with how those teams looked. Um, and uh, so yeah. Um, and I want to put Ray on the spot a little bit here. Um, I kind of thought we could close um, before we talk about summer stuff with our three highlights of uh, the season. And I've got my three. And since I'm kind of throwing them to the, the Wolves here, I'll go first so he can think about his three. Um, but my uh, three highlights for Missouri Water Polo this season, the first one I've listed down here, and I'm wearing my Bring It For Brad shirt tonight during the broadcast, uh, would be Brad Bauer and uh, how the water polo community really came together um, to help somebody out in their time of need. Um, and obviously, um, it'll be, we'll, be, we'll follow that story pretty closely, um, and we wish him the best of luck in the future. But again, it was exciting to see how everybody kind of came together, whether you went to Lindbergh High, Parkway West, SLU, um, to, you know, to, to help this individual out. Uh, my second highlight, uh, I would say, again, kind of those out-of-town teams that we hadn't seen before. Uh, we had a team come from Texas. I think it was Clear Lake, uh, and we got to play them at West High, so that was pretty exciting. And then, obviously, the big boys from Ohio, St. Xavier, which um, is always fun to see new faces and new water polo players and, and, and get to kind of compete against those guys. It, it's, it's pretty exciting. Um, and then third, obviously, I'd love to toot my own horn a little bit, the Nearside Low Podcast. Could you believe it? Um, so we're pretty excited that we've, we've kind of pulled this off. And although it is rather time-consuming, um, we get pretty good reviews from most people we talk to. So um, surprisingly, people actually applauded us at the uh, Missouri Water Polo Banquet. So we must be doing something right. So those are my three highlights, Mr. Bauer, Xavier in Texas, and the podcast. So, Ray, I hope I've given you enough time to think. Uh, what do you got? So uh, three things I'll, I'll highlight. Um, so, so number one, I thought uh, it was exciting that we had some Kansas City participation this year um, in the JV tournament. It was great to see Raytown come out. Um, you could tell that they were excited to play. Um, obviously, they, they have some growth um, that they want to keep going through. But, I mean, it's a great step for the area, um, hopefully seeing more teams in Kansas City in the future. And I know uh, a few of us have discussed trying to do some things to help further build water polo in Kansas City. Um, so hopefully in the next next year we'll see more growth, and hopefully we'll see Raytown back uh, next spring. Uh, I also thought uh, one thing that we tried this year that it was pretty cool um, was uh, we did that parent uh, referee slash coach session over at Lindbergh High School, and I, I thought that went really well. Um, I, I think we're going to try and do more of those in the future, and I think as a USA Water Polo Zone, we're going to try and hopefully do uh, some of sessions like that uh, moving forward as well. And then the third thing I'll say is uh, I thought that last, last Wednesday at the All-Star Game, uh, before that we had a club exhibition for all the girls in the area, and I thought that was really cool. That was definitely the highest attended girls game we've oh, ever yeah. had in oh, the yeah. St. Louis. I was amazed at how many there were. It's just, it blew my mind. I was like, wow. It was, I mean, it's pretty cool to see. So Right. I mean, it was cool to see all the, all the people walking in and having that, that same sort of expression. So I, I think that that's a huge building block that we need to – um, key as I said, keep building off of. I mean, next year maybe we can do 
more events like that. I've heard some parent suggestions about different things we can try, but uh, we want to keep the momentum rolling because from everyone I talked to, they enjoyed watching it. They, you know, the girls enjoyed playing in it, um, and that's something we need to continue to build. So I, I think that was very cool as well. So beyond just the water polo in general, which I, I mean, it was was fun to watch overall this spring. Um, I, I think we, as we just highlighted six things, I think there's a lot, lot to be excited about um, from this past year. All right. Uh, so then that leads us into, I know, Ray, we have a very important meeting uh, Thursday, right? Correct. So uh, Missouri Water Polo Board Meeting is going to be at 7 o'clock uh, this upcoming Thursday, uh, which will be May 25th. Uh, that'll be at 7 o'clock at the MAC, MAC West, which is just off uh, Highway 270 on DePere Road. Um, if you want good food, that's a good reason to show up. But uh, another good reason to show up is we really want help uh, continue to grow water polo in the area. I mean, this girls game we just talked about was was a parent uh, or forum user's idea. Um, we need people with ideas. I mean, whether you want to be involved and actually help organize stuff or just want to be there to throw out your ideas for what to do uh, and grow water polo in the area, we'd love to have you around. So 7 o'clock Thursday at the MAC West, hopefully we'll, hear, we'll see a lot of you there. All right, and so finally we want to chat, or at least I wanted to talk a little bit about summer polo um, as we roll into high school season's over. Um, and so for the, the folks that listen that are high school or younger, uh, plenty of clubs to play for this summer. Um, you know, Ray and I have, have worked for Coach Baud at Jungle Cats for a long time. Um, we know Greg MD over at Mad Dog. Miguel's running Slap. Um, and we have Don uh, Daisy and Butler um, running flyers. So there's there's got to be a time frame and a location for everybody out there. And as Ray and I like to say, the only way to get better at polo is to play a little bit of polo. Um, so we urge you guys that are in high school, guys that are even younger, here's my shameless plug for my Parkway West Longhorn little camp I have on Tuesdays and Thursday nights in June. Um, you know, we take anybody, feel free to sign up for that, but we want you to play. Um, for our older folks that maybe are out of high school and in college or even past that, um, I know there's a Clayton men's team, and that's uh, pretty laid back is my understanding as far as, you, you know, coming to practice and practicing um, and, and obviously getting to participate there. Um, and then I know uh, Miguel from DeSmet is running the uh, Strike Zone League. Is that on Wednesday nights? Is that right? And that's right. hosted at Clayton. And totally laid back. You pay some dues. You sign up. They put you on a team, and they kind of have round-robin basically scrimmages every Wednesday. So um, it's always fun to see people come back to the sport. Um, and so for guys that are out of high school and still want to be involved and, and still want to play, there's tons of opportunities for you to get there. And then finally to the parents um, who maybe don't have any experience playing water polo, the Missouri Water Polo Board meeting on Thursday, go there, get involved, you know, to see, see what you can do to help out. Um, because there's, again, a lot of room for growth within this sport. Um, and we need your help. Uh, to make that happen. Yeah, I mean, if you if you looked at the top four teams this year, all four of those teams have very strong club presences. All the, all those kids play club. So, um, I mean, I hope hope a lot of a lot of the uh, athletes listening to this are thinking about playing club this summer. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you're in college, come on out to play beds. We have we have a great time. Ray will be there. I'll be there. We want to shake your hand. <laughs> we have a lot of great a lot of great athletes, but it's a great way to stay stay involved with the sport. All right, um, and before we sign off, uh, we are going to try and, and touch base with you guys via podcast a couple times this summer. Um, unfortunately, we don't think we're going to be able to do it every week. Um, and so uh, we will, of course, follow Missouri Water Polo on Twitter. Um, we're going to try and create our own Instagram handle and our own Twitter handle um, and kind of get the word out that way. So um, we're pinging off some ideas. We already went over one of them. Um, and so... 
Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try and get some guests also beyond just the St. Louis area. Um, it's awesome having Aaron on tonight. We're excited about that. But we're also here to try and get some other perspectives on just water polo in general that I think would be of interest to uh, everybody listening to this podcast. So stay tuned. But uh, we've got some exciting stuff planned for uh, the next few months. And up next, our interview with Aaron Brown from Il Polo. So here we are at the Nearside Low Podcast and our guest from uh, across the river, uh, Aaron Brown. You might know him as uh, the uh, illpolo.com uh, guy. Um, and I will admit, uh, back in the day when I used to travel up to Stevenson for the I-55 Challenge, um, I would always go on the Il Polo website to find out, A, what the ranking of the teams were, who their uh, ballers were. Uh, and so, um, Aaron, we would like to welcome you to, uh, to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. And uh, love the website, and uh, we'll let you talk a little bit about it. But um, as with all of our guests, we like to kind of get a little uh, introduction on who they are and, and what their involvement with water polo is. So if you could give us a, a little background on, on your involvement with water polo when you were growing up and, and how you've stayed with it. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting story because I don't even know what I am at this point. I feel like just the, sort of the biggest fan of water polo <laughs> in Illinois and I, uh, I think Greg Mescal from USA Water Polo asked if I was some sort of ambassador, and I, I wouldn't say that at all because I'd try to lay low and be anonymous. But, uh, you know, this is my 15th year. I just finished up just covering the sport, and uh, I did it just because I started coaching, and I, I just kind of wanted to, you know, get players' recognition and just have more information about what's going on because, you know, 15 years ago, you couldn't find out who was playing where. You didn't know what times the games were at. All that sort of thing was was non-existent, and uh, so it's been sort of a sort of an interesting journey to see how it's all changed. And uh, you know, I played in in high school, and it, you know, it wasn't that big of a thing. You know, swimming was the thing, and uh, I just I just have always just like found a passion in it. Once I started coaching, uh, getting out of college, started a club team. I think the first tournament uh, we played in was at the Recplex, and I swam there in college at Eastern Illinois. So. I love Missouri. Missouri water polo is like the place we used to actually start uh, with our club team going to. And we actually played girls games back in the day, just trying to make things happen. So uh, it's not just an Illinois thing. It's a water polo thing. And just, uh, uh, it's just uh, something I have a, a real passion for. And ultimately, just seeing uh, uh, people sort of uh, get recognition has been the really the key out here in Illinois. And, and obviously, you've seen the sport grow. And uh, hopefully, I've had some sort of a, a bit of an impact, I guess I'll say. For sure. I mean, we, I, I, mean, I, I was looking at Il Polo on Twitter all weekend watching the uh, state championship in Illinois, so clearly you've, you've definitely and, had that impact. And, so, and for our listeners, just so you know, uh, Aaron runs a website. It's uh, www.ilpolo.com, uh, and it is chock full of information um, in regards to Illinois water polo. So um, I'd urge, even if you're a Missouri water polo you know, listener um, and you're not involved on that side of the state, Go check out the website. Um, it's pretty cool what he has done. Um, and, you know, this is just something that, you know, Aaron obviously has done for the love of the sport, which is uh, which is pretty cool to see. So uh, it's illpolo.com. Um, and obviously this past weekend you guys had uh, kind of a big end-of-the-year tournament, which was your championship. And I know Ray wants to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so, I mean, two exciting finishes. It looked like both the boys and girls wanted to overtime this weekend. Could you tell us a little bit about, about those games? 
Yeah, you know, the, the, the coolest part, I think, about this, and I, I threw it 15 years just because I've seen that many state tournaments. This was probably the most thrilling. There was just this aura about it all where you just had no idea who was going to win. The two state title games went into overtime, and, and just as an observer, as a fan, I had no idea like what was going to happen, who was going to score the goal, how it was going to happen, and neither of the, the, the game-winning goals was what you would have expected. You know, like, what's the go-to play? You know, give the ball to Michael Jordan sort of thing. It was just... <laughs> I've seen so many things on Twitter, and I've heard from people just saying, like, that was the greatest game I've ever seen. And you have to remember sometimes the people who are saying that are, are people who are seeing water polo maybe sometime for like the first year or the first time. And so it's different for uh, people like that who are trying to get into the sport and the, the ones that you want to help sort of, you know, encourage to keep getting into it and that sort of thing. So uh, I've seen some great games, great performances. I've never seen it where it's just that thrilling on the boys side, the girls side, really the whole weekend. It was just so excellent. And uh, I'm just glad to like be able to see it, you know? So, uh, so, in both the boys' and girls' side, Stevenson ended up winning. On the boys' side, Stevenson beat New Trier in a golden goal, um, passed a double overtime, uh, and a winning lob shot, which was, which was pretty pretty sick. Um, so that, talk a little bit about that game. It, it, those two teams matched earlier in the season, and were, were you surprised that the game was that close, or was that kind of what you expected? No, I mean, this, this is uh, it goes pretty deep because – uh, Northern Illinois uh, Polo Club uh, actually has players from Stevenson and Nutri who have played together for a long time. These guys all know, you know, everything about each other. So you're you're not seeing sort of like, oh, this random matchup for the first or second time. You know, they they went to overtime last year at uh, in the semifinals at state, and Stevenson won. And I remember just thinking like, oh my god, all these players are basically back next year. And uh, I don't make predictions. I just sort of try to go with, like, hey, just who looks the strongest at the start of the season? That was Stevenson number one, Nutria number two. So if I uh, say I was surprised, no, but there were teams that really had a chance. You know, Naperville Central, Lions, Fenwick, the list goes on. Uh, But it ended up being those two teams. And they ended up having the same type of game, except it went into sudden, sudden death overtime, which was even more than anyone probably could have expected. And the goal, and the game-winning goal, came from Justin Ginsburg. Who is he? A sophomore? Is that is that correct? Or I, I believe that's correct. I, off the top of my head, at nine plus uh, whatever o'clock it is, <laughs> I I actually it's funny because I usually know everybody's name and last name and cap number if I can do it. Uh, but regardless, uh, just a, a a player who really turned it on this year and 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 really so just so proud of 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 him to, to see that sort of shot and him to get that sort of recognition and win a state title you know and 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 that program has so many players really classy program uh classy parents etc and of course their coaching staff with the weimers etc so i mean just an honor to see it you know to be honest yeah i mean pretty pretty cool to see a, a, a younger i mean not necessarily one of their captains or somebody stepping up with the with the big overtime goal i mean i don't know if it's an unlikely hero but regardless i mean still a huge moment and uh great great finish for stevenson well, I'll add to that is it's we, we kind of talked about it right at the start was these players knew each other. So, you know, you can't go to your your go to guy because they know how to shut him down or at least try to. So nothing was working for these teams. And the game went back and forth. I think Nutra was up five to two at one point, And of course, they're tied back and forth, back and forth. And they just 
they couldn't, you know, find that answer because the other team's defense had the solution. So it was just a just a chess match, and it was just a, like I said, it, I'd say you had to be there because I don't think the live stream worked, which is a shame. And that was one of those games that man, you you, just, you had to be there to see it at Stevenson High School. It was awesome. Right, right. Okay, uh, and then how about the uh, third place game with Fenwick and Naperville Central? Yeah, you know, it was such an interesting situation because Naperville Central won the title. They were undefeated last year, and they had a, a handful of players back. But they had graduated a lot. But they were a team that came into the weekend thinking they had a chance to win the title. There were so, Actually, everyone really won in the field had that chance. And if you remember, uh, or if you look back to, I think it was uh, Friday night, you know, Barrington and Fenwick were locked up. Barrington was winning late in the game, and then Fenwick just kept finding a way to make it happen to win that game. And Fenwick has been really just a team that's improved so much since last season. And every time they played some of these top teams, Stevenson, Nutcher, Naples Central, they were so close. A lot of one-goal sort of games. And and really that was the sort of the game they had in the third-place game. Uh, with uh, Naperville Central, just a really a close game, and you kind of see the parity in the sport because, like I mentioned, Naperville Central, Fenwick, Lincoln Way East, Lions, Barrington, they all had chances to actually move on uh, at the state tournament, which is kind of a tribute to like how the, the parity was really working in the sport. Yeah, I mean, just from afar, I've been impressed with Fenwick. I mean, I saw them last year, and they were definitely down, and then this year they're, they're back in the third-place game. So it uh, seems like it definitely a very nice coaching job by Coach Perry over there, but also – um, definitely a progression of that program. So yeah, and then just sort of, sort of add to that, it was Naperville Central. He uh, looked at they graduated a lot of players from last year. They had Kent Emden back for Bill Salentine's team, and they were and, a team. Is, who, is he uh, so? Correct me. He's he's their goalie, correct? Yes. And he's yeah. uh, is is he on like one of the developmental teams for the U.S. Maybe or. or for a, yes, for a long time, and and if you see him play, you'd, you'd understand why. And, you know, he gave uh, his team a chance basically to, you know, with almost uh, uh, a new starting lineup, really, from some of the players that graduated last season. They came back and they they were really close to actually getting back into the state title game. And I think a lot of people thought they still had a chance to win. They really did. And that's a tribute to their coaching staff. I mentioned Bill Salentine, Steve LeClaire, and some of those guys. They just do a great job. Uh, and, and Fenwick does, too. And so you just you went into that third place game even. And uh, you just didn't have a uh, you didn't have an idea who was going to win. I think it was Central eight to five, but I mean, it, it really, any of these games could have gone either way. Just a, a player or two that made a difference. Yeah, that's I mean, that's definitely a team that hopefully St. Louis teams will get to play in the next couple of years. I I think I remember that goalie specifically because when we were at JOs with Jungle Cats, I think two or three years ago. So I think he was still in grade school. He was playing goalie, and he he really caught my eye then. So um, it's I mean, it's very cool to see progression going on um, with him as well so yeah exactly all right so uh i guess my question i was uh you know monkeying around on twitter and i saw um some photos of a uh long-haired gentleman by the name of uh, tony azevedo and for our listeners that don't know uh tony azevedo was a uh, member actually i think he just retired this year right he's a member of the men's uh, u.s men's national team uh, phenomenal player um played in multiple olympics um, and, uh, you know, I, I heard there were some rumblings that he was going to show up to the Chicago State Championship and uh, our Illinois State Championship. And there he was. So uh, how did that how did that come across? Like, why, what you know, what was his uh, reason for being out there? Did he know somebody who just wanted to stop by or, you know, I'm I'm sort of the independent outsider sort okay. of guy. 
terms of the coverage. So I don't know, but there, you know, there's some people that uh, you know that that really do a lot of good things for the sport in Illinois, and uh, or great things, I should say, and that's probably one of them. Uh, I I can't attribute it to anything or anything in particular, but it was just really an awesome thing. And and I mean, you guys would would agree, you know, you you need to have more of that at the national level. Hey, we're having our state tournament. It's not necessarily so that you just like sort of follow up and check out. It's hey, come out and and sort of support the sport. And people made a big deal about uh, Tony Acevedo being here. He did a clinic the next day at Conant High School that was really run by Tim Daniel, Chris Fetterman, and some of the coaches from the MSL and from Illinois Water Polo itself. And it was just a great sort of experience. And you know, you saw him walk on the deck, and Hardcore Polo was out there. They had those caps and they had T-shirts and stickers to give away and things. And he was signing autographs. You can't ask for anything more, right? If yeah, as a, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So, so like, yeah, so, go ahead. So, what, what, so one other thing I'll ask you um, about your tournament. So one thing that I thought was interesting was, I mean, you guys play the semifinals and the finals on the same day, which um, is yeah. an interesting setup. Just because, I mean, in St. Louis, we used to play Friday, Saturday, and the coaches even moved it to Thursday, Saturday, just because they wanted some time to be able to prepare for the teams and give the teams a little bit more rest. So. How, how do you think, I mean, do you, do you like that setup of having both games on the same day? And how, how do you think that affects um, not only the environment of the state tournament, but also how, how the games are played? I can tell you from a coverage standpoint, it was basically 13 hours straight. <laughs> and then I went to the store and I, I had my lunch was the samples at the grocery store down the road. Yeah. And then I had to come. So that's just my perspective. But no, you don't, you don't want two games in one day when you're deciding the state title. I, I was going to tweet something about this. I go, maybe it's not the right time between the semifinals and the finals to say it, but I think people are thinking it. You know, think any sport, World Cup, anything big. You want your people to have, your players to have as much rest and as much time, that sort of thing. But the flip side is when the IHSA sanctioned the sport, you have to kind of abide by what they basically tell you. So. Uh, you, there's other sports that have the same sort of setups, and so we don't really have a chance to, you know, seed the teams or do anything, uh, I guess, creative, like you guys had said, you know, get a day in between, that sort of thing. Uh, at, at the the at least have Friday, Saturday, you know, have a right. day in between. It just felt it, it always feels like it's really, really rushed, and you're seeing like the best players playing at the best pool, playing for the state championship. You want it to feel like this big event with a parade, that sort of thing, where people have a chance. Instead, you have people staying at hotels overnight, and they're just sort of rushing back and forth and that sort of thing. So uh, that's, again, I don't have – I'm sort of independent. I can say that. I don't know how it works from the sort of other standpoint. I've been a long proponent of having the girls' and boys' state tournaments on separate weekends at the very least, but you know, I could go on about that too. So. All right. So – uh, final question. Uh, we want to, you know, and this one can always be a kind of a hot button issue, but uh, we always like to talk Missouri versus uh, Illinois water polo. And so, uh, you know, enter at your own risk. But uh, what do you notice differences between the, the styles and and competitiveness between the teams and stuff like that? I mean, I don't know how closely you follow um, our state, but um, we follow you pretty close. And we've had some some discussions and debates about that stuff. So we're just curious about your thoughts. Actually, I was gonna—I wanted to talk about the starting the girls' water polo thing even bigger because I saw your guys' thing with some of the girls' players and everything. And hey, we're ready this summer if anybody wants to match up and put something together just to help sort of grow the sport. Because yes, I pay attention, and I've been out there. I had players, my some of my first uh, players I coached ended up going to Lindenwood when they started okay. their pro. 
So I am uh, well versed in sort of Missouri water polo. I would drive there and back in a day and we'd play like two games and come back. So um, I, it's it's hard to say sort of the difference uh, that we have. We have, I think, 193 teams out here. So in terms of my that, coverage, boys and girls combined, uh, I think that's boys and girls combined total. Yes, okay. uh, there's a few more. It's probably something like you know eighty five and, and eighty or ninety and eighty or something like that. But there, yeah, there's so there's there's a lot in one season. They're happening at the same time. So uh, there's so many different styles here that it makes it hard to compare. And I know because I've seen you know two years ago at the York tournament, you know uh, every time there's you know these big games between teams from St. Louis and and from Illinois. And you know, there's different everything. There's different uh, referees, right? Like that makes a big difference. There's a lot of differences, but uh, it's hard to sort of gauge that because I'm trying to cover boys, girls, and uh, 193 teams. Is like I said. Yeah, understandable. So it, um, I actually I, I should ask you guys. You guys should say what do you notice in terms of the differences? Because sometimes you'll have you know a Fenwick, you'll have a Stevenson. And these teams all have different styles too, which makes it so intriguing here. I, I wonder kind of like what, what it's like to face a, uh, different teams from Illinois too. Well, I, I thought it was interesting this year. We were actually having this conversation with uh, Coach Figueres and a few others this last weekend. Is it seems like in Illinois this year you had a really heavy crop of senior athletes. I mean, I was looking at your – your first team all state today and it looked like pretty much everybody except for maybe two players were were seniors in that group versus in st louis i, I mean we did have some good senior athletes this year but I, I think if you would look around our 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 teams i think you would say we have a really strong crop of juniors uh coming forward so um i i think it was, i think it was just interesting that the dynamics were a little bit different this year i mean i I always enjoy watching our, our number one play against your number one. I, last year, slew high, um, I think, won uh, when they when they beat – last year they beat Stevenson, who um, didn't end up winning last year, but was one of your top teams. This year, Stevenson came down and, and played uh, extremely well and, and beat slew high. And Fenwick won one one against slew high as well. So, um, so I mean, it's just fun. I mean, I, I think I think our top teams are are there with your top teams, and depending year to year, uh, which team wins. But uh, it, it is very exciting to see. I mean, I think this year we talked, we saw Fenwick down here. They were they're a team that seems to do a lot of driving, a lot of a lot of movement. And you see a team like like Stevenson, where you've got some huge boys that um, can get in front of the right. goal and freaking score. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I, I mean all those things, but. Um, it, it, it's always fun seeing both both areas play against each other. So and, I, yeah, go ahead. So you're gonna I was gonna throw in because uh, I remember it, it was uh, two years ago Slu versus uh, I think it might have been Fenwick, but it, I I just yeah I think it was Slu versus Fenwick at, at the York that York tournament and I was covering it for the the Cube uh, broadcasting like radio or something like that and uh, it was almost like uh, if you guys know like the like NCAA tournament like March Madness where you see like two teams from two totally different conferences right, that haven't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you, but you couldn't figure out like what what's the next move? Who's the who's the player that's gonna make this play? Because here most of the time, like uh, Stevenson and Usher, they probably play each other three or four times a season. Uh, a lot of the top teams they'll play each other five, six, seven times. So there's no secret as to like what they're gonna do. So when I watch those games, it's kind of like that like first Thursday or Friday of the college basketball tournament. I think there should be more of it. I think people should 
like we, I think somebody mentioned having a, a, a like a tournament between the That's four. Right. Uh, yeah, the four state championship teams of 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 the Midwest. I thought that would be freaking fun to watch, man. I have a pool. I've got right. a. <laughs> I, I got a t-shirt cannon. I would. <laughs> Uh, glow in the dark balls. The guy will turn the lights off. We'll play Skrillex in the background. And the, here's the thing: the I think the people who listen to this from Illinois will hear it and they'll go, "Yeah, I, I've heard this before on Twitter." That sort of thing. And and really, that's the thing is, just, you know, I'm so uh, I guess excited about the sport. I've always been that way. And I I coached. I've I've started a club team. I've done a bunch of different things. But just recognizing the players and and and, and talking about water polo like we're doing, like. Hype this thing up. People are into this so much, and there's no need to sort of like take a step back and go, oh, well, we're not like basketball or football. No, water polo is like the greatest sport. So hype it up, do big things, and just uh, I always encourage people just participate and help people out if you're if you know something about it. And uh, I think you guys would agree with that. I think especially because we want to grow the sport, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, so we want to thank uh, Aaron Brown of illpolo.com for coming on with us again. We we urge you guys to uh, visit www.illpolo.com and check out his website. Um, he does uh, some freaking great work and uh, super excited that he came on the podcast. And uh, we hope that, you know, maybe Il Polo could start their own podcast and we could uh, we could podcast together next season sometime. What do you think? I was actually thinking about starting, uh, like, we could do Il Polo across the Midwest type of thing. You know, I mean, I don't know how anybody feels about it, but... Uh, let's grow this sport and do some big things. I mean, why? Why set? We don't need to worry about any of the California, all that kind of stuff. We'll do it from. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> all right, cool. Well, thanks again, man, and uh, we look uh, we'll, we look forward to chatting with you in the future. And that concludes our Nearside Low podcast episode number 10. That completes the uh, water polo season for 2017. Um, again, uh, we appreciate everyone being with us. Don't forget to tweet us, email us, or talk to us in person in regards to um, some questions uh, regarding the history of St. Louis water polo. We hope to record a couple times this summer to keep you guys informed of the happenings going on in St. Louis and around the water polo world. Um, it's been a great year, and again, we appreciate you guys listening. If you have any questions, thoughts, um, feel free to uh, send them our way. We always want to improve what we're doing. <laughs>